Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, enough about me and there's been some good ones lately. I have to say I enjoyed this one a lot. So uh, Mike Lombardi, who has a podcast uh, out now, and has a book out, Gridiron Genius. It's available on Amazon. Mike and I battled... A couple of years ago. He's a weekly guest on the old uh, show I had at, at the place I used to work at. Uh, I really didn't want guests on at that point. Um, and I didn't think Mike was playful. Uh, I thought he came across as a know-it-all. And I purposely would go in every week to try and be a dick. Uh, and now, a couple of years later, I look at it and say, well, great. Like, people tweeted how funny it was. and that. But now I think about it. I thought, well, maybe if I had talked to him off the air and we had a conversation, you know, maybe it turns out he's not such a dick after all. Maybe just would turn out that he's kind of, okay, I'm in on the joke as well, but can we play along with it and maybe, you know, have some fun and then talk some football also instead of this being this war? But that's not the way I operated then, and, and I think a lot of that was the reason for my success and a lot of it was the reason for the trouble I would get into. So uh, Sporty R. McKenzie had Mike on last week, and I don't think Mike was that thrilled with Sporty. So I reached out to Mike after. Sporty allowed me to do that. Thank you, Sporty. Uh, and we had a pretty good talk, and I think we sort of went over the battles we had a couple of years ago, which was a fight over like Jamie Collins, and I haven't listened to it. Portnoy was in the studio with us that day, and it was ugly, and he hung up, and I considered it a big victory, and I guess it was for that day, but like that, you know, so what, right? Uh, but Lombardi was, given the way that ended and given his reaction with Sporty, which was a total blindside, um, he could have been a real asshole about it, but he wasn't, and we had a good talk last week. And at the end of the conversation, I said, hey, you know, I know you have no reason to trust me, but you want to come on the podcast this week and we'll talk about it, our shared history together, and then we'll just get into a conversation. And to his credit, right away, he said, sure. And I know Lombardi can come across like a know-it-all and like a, he invented football and all that shit. And that's all, I understand all that. But he was a really good sport about this. Came on and we had a good talk. And I have to say, like, I, I actually like the guy now. And I think he might actually even like me, which if you listen to me long enough, you know how important it is to me that somebody likes me. Uh, but Mike was really good. And we, we talked about all the stuff we've had in the past, and then we got into his a little bit into his history. And, of course, we had to talk about Springsteen, so we did that. Uh, but, you know, give Mike credit, because I would have to say the interactions I've had with people in the past, n- almost none of them would come on again after two things happened like that. So for him to come on, I think, uh, tells you a lot about him, and I do appreciate that. Um, and, by the way, something I'm working on now, like there are people who hang up on me right away. Like it is unbelievable. Just as a side, just something to remember down the line. But not Lombardi. He came on, and I was actually 10 minutes late on this call as well. So uh, he was really good about it. I appreciate it. Go get the book, Red Iron Genius. Uh, Mike Lombardi joins Kirk Minahan this time. Not Sporty R. McKenzie. Kirk Minahan on Enough About Me. All right, so he was on this podcast a week ago, and uh, he and I talked uh, off the air about a week ago, and now he's back. We've had a. Uh, how would you describe your history with me, Mike, in uh, in one word? Uh, I would say you're like my youngest son. There's moments I just don't understand you. 
Like, I don't know where you're going with things. I mean, I... Like, but I would say... Son, uh, <laughs> I respect you, but I'm just not sure where you're going. I think that's the... the I'm confused most of the time. You sound like everybody else. When you said your youngest son, I thought you were going to say that you love me, but I, I would say maybe that's where you differentiate. <laughs> well, I, you know, the, the reality of, of the opposite of love is never hate. It's a difference. So I definitely am not indifferent to you. I can tell you that. Well, so we'll, ba- we'll go back. You know, people who we have people who listen now. Mike's got his own podcast, which we'll definitely promote for him. And I do appreciate, appreciate him coming on. He's a good sport. Is like, you know, when you would come on my old radio show, my thought was, and I think I talked to you about this last week, and, and I, I think actually this is honestly where the blames of me. I needed to do a better job, and it's part of what got me in trouble, is I like to battle and argue and fight, and I think you had done the show in a different manner before, and then all of a sudden I come on, and you're probably thinking, well, like, where the fuck is this guy coming from? Like, why, why is he so combative? Is that right or no? Well, yeah, and I think what, what bothered me about the last time I did the show with you was that you wouldn't accept what I said. Like, you kept wanting me to give an answer that you wanted to hear. And, you know, and, and like, I, I, and I don't think, the thing that always made me feel weird about our conversations were, I've never been one to hold my tongue or bite my tongue. I've always been really fairly willing to put myself out there and say stupid things that didn't come out. Like I said something about Doug Peterson that I was completely wrong on. Right. And I, and I was, you know, so I don't mind saying, hey, I'm wrong. And I always feel like, I'm not like the guy who's typically on one of these network shows who's just couching it either way that, that can teach the history, that can teach the world's flat around, you know, however you want to teach it. Like, for me, I always have opinions, and, and I felt like you weren't ever really taking my opinion. You kept thinking I was holding back. Well, I thought my end of it was, so uh, maybe I'm wrong, it was about, it was at, you had mentioned that Jamie, I think I'm right, you had mentioned that Jamie Collins wasn't playing well, whatever, then he got traded, right? Or yeah. wasn't playing hard. And then I wanted you to give an example of, because you had said the whole defense wasn't playing hard or something. I could be wrong. So I was asking for some other examples, and you weren't giving the specific examples. Instead of me, and this is where, like, like after a while, like, I, and this is one of my flaws, I think. It's also, I think, been a reason for some of my success. After two or three times asking, I should have said, okay, he's not going to answer it. Move on, dummy, meaning me. But for some reason, like, then it was important for me to sort of go for the scalp and go for the blood instead of saying, you know what, he's not a bad guy. Like, if I didn't, if I thought you were an asshole, maybe I would, but, like, I don't know why on my end, and I said this to you when we talked on the phone last week, I'm not sure why it was so important for me to get my foot on that throat and, and, and not let go. Yeah, but I think you got out of me what was really was important is he was never playing very physical, and he didn't play very well. Right. And he went to Cleveland, and I took crap from Michael Silver because he was defending Hugh Jackson in that trade. And I said, the guy wasn't playing good. And he wasn't. He never really played, even though Cleveland gave him a huge contract, he didn't play good. And, you know, I don't know what, you know, you want chapter and verse of the plays he didn't play good. No, I don't care. No, I don't care. But, no, I understand that. But So I think my other thing was like, oh, he's kind of, he's humorless. He takes himself too seriously. He thinks he's a know-it-all. Instead of, like, having fun with that, and I should have said, well, I should have done, I think I said this again last week. I should have said, I should have told my old producer, what's Mike's number? I should have called him and had a conversation instead of assuming things. And again, that's where it's kind of my fault. Well, look, I'm not, you know, look, to me, I, I probably, it's, so, it's my fault too. It's, it's always easier when you relax, but I think there's a natural tendency when you feel like you're being attacked to defend yourself. Yeah, no, that's sure. Kind of, you know, that's kind of what you always feel like you want to do. And, uh, and so I just felt like, you know, you, you, you protect yourself. You become like the mother cub and you protect yourself. So, 
I, I don't look. You know, I'm not. I don't ever think of myself as a know-it-all. I think I try to have a growth mindset to learn things. But I always, I'm an opinion-oriented person. So when I give an opinion, you know, it's not Stevie Van Zant where, yeah, no, 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 I'm right and everybody's wrong. As Bruce Springsteen would describe about Stevie, I, I give an opinion and you can agree, disagree. And if I think I'm wrong, I'll go back and research. Do you get? So you do. I'm guessing you do a ton of hits right during the week during the football season. Yeah. Were most were, were, were your hits with uh, with me different than the other ones? I mean, were you dreading no, them when I you had to call in? I gotta be honest with you, Kurt. Like I loved doing it the morning show before you came on. Those I'm guys sure, were great. I'm sure you, know? you did. I'm sure you did. <laughs> you know, I don't doubt was, it. And they and 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 usually, you know, I don't ever say something about the Patriots that I don't think is going to happen. Like I'm not going to go out and give out trade secrets and say, hey, they're going to run six reverses today. But I'm also not going to like let let my knowledge interfere with what I think is going to happen in the game. Well, you has, are you more are you more hesitant to criticize Belichick given your relationship or no? I, I you know to me there's no reason to criticize Belichick. Well, no, but I'm saying but I mean but I'm, well, I mean there have been moments within game like you know for instance like having Gronk in at the end of the game last year against Miami is at least a conversation, right? I mean Well, I think there's definitely a conversation. Right. I think he, but, but here's the way I would always say that the one thing about Bill that I think you don't get nobody gets Bill enough credit for is Bill would be the first one to tell you that wasn't a smart play. Right, but Bill would be the right. first one to say that. But I guess you know, Mike so, oh, oh go ahead, Mike. Good. So you don't really have to worry about you know, that's the one thing Bill's people don't understand Bill's one of the greatest listeners of all time. Yeah. So I guess so. My question: So you're not so if he does something wrong and somebody else does something wrong, you you don't feel like oh I know this guy I have a relationship with him. You're not afraid to criticize him if it's justified. No, yeah. I mean you know look I think if you do it from a sense of respect, which I have tremendous respect for that man. Well, sure. You know, and so you're just giving your opinion, and and certainly he's going to come back, and and usually you know, and I've been around them so long that most of our opinions don't usually go too far from where they usually start and end. Well, I gotta give you so I gotta give you credit. Uh, like after the way we had ended a couple of years ago, and like I said to you, I should have reached out after that. Um, and then your conversation with Sporty last week, I think you would have been totally justified when I reached out again to tell me to go fuck myself. Why didn't you do that? Because I don't think I think you have a stick. I think you're playing your stick, and I think <laughs> you, you have your audience, and I right. think that you, you have a, a, a sense of what you're trying to do. And I didn't really understand what you were trying to do last week. You know, look, I, I, I want, I, I think it's important uh, for me to have a relationship with people in the New England area because I seem to know a lot of things. I've lived there. I worked there. I love the team. I make no bones about it. I mean, my son coaches uh, on the coaching staff, so I'm a Patriot fan first and foremost. So I, I don't think, to me, in the media, I don't think you do that and just, just blow people off because – Ultimately, you're going to reach an audience, and that audience could still be interested in some things that I say or some things that I want to sell, like a book. Yeah, well, good. Plug the book right now. Let it rip. Yeah, well, I mean, look, I, I think the book is, uh, if you're a Patriots fan, the book's bigger than just the Patriots. But if you want to know about what goes on inside the building, I think you should read Good Iron Genius. I think Good Iron Genius is an enlightenment into what the, makes the Patriots one of the most successful franchises ever. I mean, look. Look, they've won 74 games the last five years. The next closest competition is 57. No, it's, it's it's all everything's my it's all my like everything is mind-boggling about it. Everything. If you want to understand how they've lapped the field? Read the book. Um, uh, is it odd for you? Uh, so I'll frame it this way: Are there things given that your son's on the staff? Are there things that you know 
when somebody asks you a question you know the answer to and you can't say the answer? Does that ever happen or no? No, I, you know, because he doesn't know. One thing, there, you know, one thing when you work in that building, there's some things that are going on in that building you don't know. So I never ask him. You know, his and my conversations are about the, about the, the two of the most proudest moments of my life, his two, great, his two sons. Right. And that's really what I talk to him about. And if he needs advice on how to handle a situation in terms of football, but he's his own man. He's got to, he's got to stand and I'm, I'm going to support him a thousand percent, but I'm not in the information business. Like I don't to come out and, and try to compete with Adam Schefter and reported at 1207 that Ben Watson signing with the Patriots and 1208, everybody in the world knows about it. You know, like, I don't, I don't, that's not, that's not who I am. That I mean, that's good for some other people. But that's not who I am. This is not the son that reminds you of me. <laughs> no, he's in Miami coaching for the Dolphins. Oh. <laughs> and he just, he's got no, he just, he just says, Dad, just leave me alone pretty much? Like, no, 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 no. He's just, you know, he's got, he's an, own, he's an independent mind. And, and not necessarily do you ever think he's, uh, he's, no, he's a lovable, he's a great son. I mean, he's tremendous. So we have a great relationship, but it's different. You know, I, I got to give him his space. You know, I got to. Let him, as he told me once, let me be me. <laughs> uh, what? So, and you're doing, and now you have the podcast as well. Yeah, I do the podcast GM Shuffle every Tuesday, and you're every doing, Wednesday with Adnan. Is he? He's the one that that, that ESPN fired, right? He they claimed yeah, he ESPN. I guess they terminated him over some some problem. But I think mean, you know. I mean, look, I, I think all those things. You know, it, it ended up working out as a blessing for him because he's with the zone. And it's been a blessing for me because he's partnered with me, and it's been great. How does that work? Is he? You guys do the podcast a couple of days a week. Are you you do, we it, do for... it. We do it. At, we both come into New York City. He's he's okay. usually over in Jersey working out of his own studios. I live in a little beach town called Ocean City. I I drive up to the city. Takes me about two and a half hours, and we go tape it, and that's it. You enjoy it. Love it. You I like your. It. You're happy with your life right now. I, you know, I really am. I'm really happy. You know, being a grandfather changes your whole perspective of life. So that's why I have three grandsons with another one on the way in, in September. That changed your life. And I think you learn in life uh, you, when you can give back to people. I think one thing about writing the book, it, again, the book is not about me. The book's about the people that I've worked for and learned from. And those lessons are what you want to give back to people. And I really believe in life when you're willing to give back to people and not always try to take, you become a better person. Was there any, when you wound up coming back for the, come working for the Patriots and leaving, was there any reason you left that was untoward, or was there issues with it, you just wanted to get out, or why did that end? No, I mean, I, I think a lot of it is, 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 is understanding your role. You know, I came in under a contract that I was working with, with the Cleveland Browns, and once that contract expired at the salary that I was making at Cleveland, then it had to become where the role and what it's going to fit. And I think that for me, you know, unless it was going to be the right the right deal, I should go on with my life. I didn't really just want to be somebody who's just in a place. I wanted to have a second career, and I really wanted to write a book. And that was really what was most – because when I was at the Raiders, I took a writing class in San Francisco because I wanted to write a book. I knew – I, I may not be the smartest guy in the room, but I knew I was enough aware that I worked for two of the greatest bills in the history of football. And I wanted to write a book about the two bills. And really, my book, I wanted it to be called The, bill of, the Bills of Right. And, and my editor and agent at the time didn't think it was a good idea. So, but to me, that's what I did. And I wasn't just going to come and, you know, I mean, partly when you get a certain age, you, you feel like your, entire, your salary should be commensurate to what your experience is. Sure. 
Did you write this? Did you have a ghostwriter? Did you write this book yourself? I wrote every word myself. So you, uh, how long did I it take? An editor. Why? Well, sure, sure. Yeah, but I'm saying beginning then. How long did it take you? Were you writing it over the years, or did you no, sit down no. and? Well, I mean, I, I I've collected data over the years, right. but I mean, I started writing it in July of 2017, and I finished it in March of 2018. Are you gonna write another one? Yeah, I'd like to. I just don't know what to write yet. I. I want to write another book. You know, I've, I've been into this. I've been into uh, lately. I've been reading a lot about these seventies. It's a whole culture out in California, Echo Park, and all these inter- entertaining people that were singer songwriter era. Well, that's where. Across, I mean, that's where. That's where. That's where Glenn Fry and Jackson Brown. They were all there. All met right there, and you right. know, Joni Mitchell and Carol King and and, and Crosby uh, and Carly the, Simon yep. and David Crosby, Graham Nash. You know, all of them, and so Crosby. David Crosby has this great line about, you know, when you come out with your first album, people think it's, you know, you just did it and you came out. And, but people don't realize it took you 10 years of your life to write it. And, and, and you put everything into it. And then you have to come out with a second album. That's when you find out whether you have talent or not. And I think that's really what my motivation is to come out with another book. I want to show that I know more than just what I wrote. I didn't like just write one book to write one book. So you're going to write a book about Echo Park. I don't know. I'm not going to write. I'm going to be motivated by. No, it. I would say that's actually. A book about. Did you did you watch the Eagles documentary or no? I did. I watched the Eagles documentary and the, the David Crosby uh, thing. I'm citing is on another documentary. Yeah, it just came out. Door. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the. I just it's funny. Before this interview, I interviewed the, I, for another podcast and the, to be up might be up before or after yours. I wrote uh, interviewed this guy David Brown who just wrote a book about Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. It's excellent. Fascinating group. Fascinating. Uh, unbelievable. I didn't know Graham Nash was dating Joni Mitchell for as long yes, as Yes, yes. The, the greatest story I've read in all these books, I read a book about Carly Simon, and if you don't, I'll share it with you. This is in Carly Simon's book. Carly Simon gets a phone call about 12 in the afternoon from Warren Beatty, and Warren Beatty says, look, babe, I'm flying in today. I'm flying from L.A. to I'll be in New York. I'll probably, can I come by your apartment? She was living in Murray Hill. Can I, I won't be there till 1 o'clock in the morning. She says, sure, come over. He comes over at 1 o'clock in the morning. They spend the night. But I got to leave real early because I got to be on set in the morning at like 5 or 6. So she's out the door at 6 o'clock. She goes to her therapist at 11. She's on the couch with the therapist. She talks about spending the night with Warren Beatty. And the therapist says, look, I'm going to have to break protocol here. You're the third woman today that has sat on my couch and slept with Warren Beatty last night. That's impressive, see? It's a... That's why yeah, everybody it, has dreams, right? Uh, see, look at us. We're just talking. We're just a couple of guys talking now. See, well, you know, the thing is, when you when you declare who you are, <laughs> well, it, I, it really doesn't matter. You know, you can. Well, you're not, yeah, you're I would not say stick. Sometimes, you know, you're talking. You're talking to people. You're not talking to stick. Well, I would say yes, but I would say a couple of years ago for sure, I was not in the right frame of mind. And a lot of it was fueled. And I mean, listen, you don't need to listen. I babble to shrinks every week anyway. You don't listen to my shit. But, you know, there there are times where you get so, whether it was the industry you're in now or the one you were in before, or the radio industry, which is competitive, you get so worked up about, you know, I have to have this moment. I have to trap this person. I have to make this person look like an asshole. And then you conquer them and everybody says how great you are. And then it's like, well, now I have to do it again. It's just a weird, you know, it can be such a weirdly competitive way to live. Right, and it's the wrong way to live. Because yes, I think so. If you so. live your life based on what pe- the good things people say about you, then what do you do with the bad, the bad things? So the thing you should do is ignore everything. Well, and I would say... On who you are. I would say now that my dad's been is gone now for a couple of years, he passed away a couple of years ago, uh, 
uh, I would have to say now it sounds to me like I am the fourth Lombardi son. Or no, is that right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. You could, you could, I could adopt. You want, two more, you want two more grandkids or no? Yeah, yeah, I could make you my fifth grandson. It depends <laughs> on how you handle the weather outside, you know. Uh, no, but I appreciate it. So the, the book is Gridiron Genius. That's out now. You're promoting that still. The podcast comes out a couple of days a week. What I mean, I... I I, I, the podcast comes out on Wednesday. Right now, we're just doing one a week during the off. Oh, during the off season. Okay. During the football season, we'll do two. We've been talking about the over underlines. This past week, we talked about the the NFC East on what teams we think will co- go over the totals in Ooh. terms of win totals. Oh well. And uh, I, I do Veasan, which is ultimately I do a lot of all this stuff on Nesson because of Veasan's and Nesson's partnership. Uh, and so during the season, you do a couple of week, and then what do you are you doing? Uh, we're back on the radio, back on all over the place when the football season. I will. I'll be on WEI on, hopefully in the fall, and then I'll do this Vegas Stats and Information Network, which is a, a video uh, audio component series two hundred four. But they're also the Mitch and Polly show, as you know, is on Nested every morning. I don't know that. What is this? The what? It's called Mitch and Polly. They're from Las Vegas. Two okay. Really good. You would like them. They're two good. Two really good, and it's a, it's not. A, I don't want to call it game. I think when people tag these shows as gambling shows, they're wrong. They're information shows. Well, they're but they are for gamblers too, though. Come on. Well, but but look, people want to learn about the game, right? And so, if you can provide information about whether it's hockey, basketball, football, people gravitate those pregame shows before the games. They're not. Nobody's getting. Nobody's getting smarter watching those. True. That's true. And uh, how many Springsteen shows have you been to? Oh, in this country, probably, uh, I would say over 100. Oh, you're way ahead of me. Jeez. Okay. I'm at 66. Did you see him on Broadway? I did see him on Broadway. Yep. I saw him on Broadway. It was emotional. You know, uh, really emotional. Well, my, like, you know, you know how it is, like, with, I I don't know. Was it the relationship between you and your dad? Yeah. Yeah. Like, when did, I don't, is your dad still alive or no? My dad's 92, cuts hair every day. That's great. His own hair or other people's hair? Because other people's hair. Oh, that's hair. good. That's that's probably better than if he's doing that. Yeah. So, like, I don't know what, you know, I don't know what, what Papa Lombardi was like growing up, but, like, you know, for me, like, I had a relationship with my dad that was not dissimilar in a lot of ways than Bruce did. So when Bruce does the My Father's House thing on, on Broadway, I, 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 I just lose it. I collapse. I really do. Like, I, I can't handle yeah. it. I, I could see it. To me, I now, I thought the Broadway play was amazing. I cried. I laughed. But I thought it was his apology to his father for not understanding his, yeah, his father's illness. mental health, yeah. Yeah, but it's hard for a kid to understand that. I mean, how are you supposed to know? It you know, it's, of it's, course it is. But that's, you know, that's, that's, that's a huge part. But the, uh, I, I like the Broadway show. It was great. I'm looking forward to this new album. But I thought in, in, the, in the book, the, obviously the book was fantastic too, but it's hard to, you know, when you're a Springsteen fan now, you almost get, some people mock you for it because it's, you know, everyone, everyone who's, Every guy who's forty or older is like a Springsteen fan, but he's been my guy. He's been my guy since I'm nine years old. Like he's helped me figure out my dad, and at the same time, he's helped me figure out how to be a dad. At the same time, it's it's no doubt. I, I think that that's really. A, I think that's well said. I think to me, you know, he has been my he has been my motivator and my therapist, pretty much all wrapped into one. You know, as a kid growing up in, in 1975, you hear. Uh, you know, Thunder Road, the screen door slams, you hear Cross the, you know, Highway 9. You hear those songs about independence, about chasing your dream, about being somebody that you, from a small town that you could be. That 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 drove me to what I wanted to do, so I thank him for that. And then, you know, all the other stuff about growing up and about life. And then when he finally got into the relationship with Julianne Phillips and got divorced, and then he starts talking about relationships with right. women, 
I mean, it's powerful stuff. And he becomes a dad, and he writes like you know songs like "Living Proof" and stuff, where you sort of look at it from a, a dad's perspective. And he's there, and he never caught. So he's, many songs that people don't like. Real world. Oh, it's like, great. You know, you know, like to me, there is a period of time. Like I, when I watch, when I listen to Sirius, I listen to Sirius Satellite Radio with Bruce every day. Sure. If, if a concert comes on from 75, 76, 77, when I was in high school, I don't listen to it. There's right. not enough. There's not enough volume. No, when you get to the '90s and on, oh. say, then you're, you know, even the acoustic stuff for sure. But I, I also, what I like about him so much is he's never, he never compromised. You know, he never, which I like about Neil Young too. They both had huge fame. They, Bruce could have written hits for years, but he said, screw, like after Born in the USA, he said, I want to do a, a, a small album about getting divorced, basically about relationships, ton of love. Like it's, it's, it's pretty impressive, I think. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and we all know that a fat man sit on a stool. Yes, we do. Yeah, I sure do. I sure do. All right, so uh, so we'll have you on again uh, now that we're now, now that we're pals. Now that you, I can't. What's that? Now that we're friends. Best, I mean, you know, really, best friends. I'd say no. Yeah. <laughs> me, you, and me, you, and Bill will go out one night. Yeah, maybe the three of us. He's a Springsteen guy too. How uh, does, do you ever give him shit for liking Bon Jovi? I mean, that's a little. Lame. I love John. I uh, love. But John. compared to Bruce. Well, I mean, you know, but but John is John. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah, drink John's wine. Drink John's. Uh, but I mean, I mean, but I mean, give me. I mean, is there a? I mean, how many Springsteen songs are better than the best Bon Jovi song? Like five hundred. Well, I mean, look, a thousand. I, I think there's. You know, you're talking about. You're talking about one of the greatest writers. I don't know if there's a better writer, ever, of of being able to put the paper to to drawing the visualization, perfectly out. It's just remarkable. So, all right. So me, you, and Bill at some point will go out. We'll have some Italian food, right? We'll get that yep. done. Done. We'll go to the table in Boston. Okay, that's fine. Who's well? Belichick will pay. He's freaking got like fifty zillion dollars. <laughs> When's the last time you talked to Belichick? Uh, on the phone, probably last week. Is he good? Is he on the phone? Is he like lively or is he? Yeah, hey, I mean, Bill. I mean, my wife will always say, "Do you two ever talk about anything other than football?" And the answer is probably no. Yeah, does he have any? But we do, but we talk. I mean, you know, look, we look, we go back to 1991 together. I mean, we we you know all this. This stuff that's happened in football, you know, it started in Cleveland, he and I together, you know, whether it's the grading system, whether it's all that. And I feel honored to have been a part of it. Um, all right, Mike Lombardi, he's got the podcast. He's got the book, Gridiron Genius, which I would recommend. Go to Amazon.com or go to a bookstore or whatever, pick it up. Uh, he's a good sport, which I have to say, uh, when I'm wrong, I will say I'm wrong. I think I missed you a couple of years ago. Like I said, I wish I had placed the phone call. And then I think we could have had a better relationship, right? No doubt. And look, what you need to do is text me your address. I'm going to send you a copy of Grid Iron so I know you read it. I don't want you that. I don't want you to have the address to my house, Mike. Let's, we're not that okay. good of friends yet. No, I will text you. I will definitely text you the address. I will get. I will get a copy of the book, and then uh, we'll have you on uh, at some other point. I hope soon. You bet. All right, Mike. All right, thanks, thanks so much, Mike. I'll talk so to you. Much. Thanks. All right, if you haven't already, I don't know why you haven't, but if you have not, remember to subscribe to this podcast, Enough About Me, on the Radio.com app, iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. iTunes ratings and reviews help me and the podcast, so take a minute and leave one, please. It actually helps. I know it's a pain in the ass. It's a waste of time. That's what you're thinking, but it actually isn't. It actually helps me, keeps me going, so I can do this podcast, okay, so I can live. You're going to help me stay alive if you subscribe, so do it. All right, dummies, get to work. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.